Welcome to Footy for Two. I'm Solomon Dubner. I'm Stephen Dubner. So, Dad, this is a really sad episode because Johan Cruyff, one of the legends of football, died a few days ago at just 68 from lung cancer. By the time I saw you that morning when you woke up, when you read the news, you were really, truly saddened, yeah? He's not yeah. just some old guy. No. What, what, what made you feel? And I know that later in the day when we talked about it and we ran into some fans on the street, one guy, you were wearing a Barca something that day. Uh, and my Peña sweatshirt, yeah. Your Peña sweatshirt and the, a guy who was delivering delivering beer to a bar, saw it and said something to you. Then you guys talked about he had a Barcelona tattoo on his arm. Right. And he said he was really yeah. truly saddened too. What was it about Cruyff? Could you recap his career quickly and then talk about what was it about him that made him a, a, a pioneer in football and also that made him that made people feel so um, connected to him? Well, besides just being a great person, he was an amazing player. He is best known for both coaching and managing at both Barcelona and Ajax. He started at Ajax? He was Dutch, so he started yeah. at Ajax. I assume, yeah? Yeah. He won Barcelona, their first European Cup as a manager, won tro- many trophies as a player. He invented total football with pretty much, which is, well, he didn't invent it. it he adopted it from Reiner's Michels, um, but he really reinvented it. It's the idea of every player being able to play everywhere on the pitch and just interchanging positions, where he really brought it to Barcelona, who, the club he reinvented, and it was always been able to be seen there, especially under Pep Guardiola, who himself said he knew nothing about football before he met Cruyff. So for those of us like me who who aren't steeped in the game, can you give a parallel in another, in a, like let's say an American team sport, somebody from baseball or football or basketball who would have the same kind of prowess both as a player and a coach or manager, but who also really changed the way people play? The closest I could give you, which is probably completely wrong, is maybe Phil Jackson in basketball, mm-hmm. but probably not even. Yeah. Um, what about like Vince Lombardi, even though that was a long time ago in the yeah. era and he wasn't a super noteworthy player. Yeah. I mean, he professionalized football in a, in a yeah. certain kind of way. What was it about total football where these, these 10 outfield players were all assuming, they were assuming responsibilities and positions that they hadn't before, yeah. right? People used to be yeah. much more... Also, one of his favorite things to do is he wanted to entertain the fans. He once said, when his team was 4-0 up, he tried to hit the bar instead of score because it was more entertaining for the fans. <laughs> well, how, how true that is, I'm not sure. But like one of his quotes is, quality without results is pointless, but results without quality is just boring. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think? So Cruyff, toward the end of his life, he was doing what these last several years? He was only 60-something? 60, yeah, yeah. He was, he was writing about football sometimes. He was, he was still very involved in the game. What was Always what, giving his opinion. What was or is his relationship with Barcelona? I think he's still an honorary president, or he might be reinstated as one. I'm not sure. He might have taken off. I'm not sure about and that. And what was or is his relationship with Ajax, if any? Just looked as a god. Mm-hmm. And both teams are, both fans want their stadiums to be renamed after him. I'm pro Barcelona, the company being renamed the Stadio Johan Cruyff because club would be so much less significant than them. He invented, he really made La Masia. So that, I think that means okay, we so wouldn't have ex- had. So explain the Masia. It, is... It's a youth academy. We wouldn't, probably wouldn't have Bar- uh, Messi, Busquets, Iniesta, Chavi, Pollo wouldn't have been there. And these him. are all because Cruyff, Cruyff himself established the Masia, the yeah. Barcelona camp training, uh, training from the school. the Ajax model, yeah. Mm, okay. And who started at the Ajax model? Presumably not Cruyff, right? Long before. Him. I don't know. Right. Okay. So the question is this. If you're a football fan of any kind, 
maybe you hate Barcelona, maybe you're a Real Madrid fan, maybe you're a Chelsea fan, maybe you don't follow football very closely, maybe your kids play it a little bit, da 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 How substantial um, was Johan Cruyff overall to the development of the game the last 30, 40, 50 years? He was probably as important as like a Babe Ruth is to baseball. Hmm. Probably more so, if you ask me, because he revolutionized the game. And I don't mean to sound morbid, but maybe morbid is not the right word. I don't mean to sound cold-hearted, but... Is his death in any way, you know, uh, significant for the present and future of football, or is it just a sadness on a kind of personal note? Did he still maintain or carry forward any innovation or tradition that you think is... No, in- but he's still involved. It's more of a sadness, but a great one, and it's... Mm. What do you think are the odds? Obviously, it's very early. He just died. What do you think are the odds that uh, the Comp Nou will, will be renamed, renamed for Cruyff, where Barcelona plays? The Comp no, I don't think it will be. I don't want to talk too much about my views of the current board on air, as most <laughs> Barca fans wouldn't, but I do think... From which I can infer that your views are negative. No comment. The current board. Okay. No comment. But I think Ajax <laughs> will rename their stadium. You do? Yeah. Yeah. Now, if Ajax does, do you think that would make Barca more or less likely to rename theirs? I'm not sure how much it would affect any of them. What age, um, if, if I'm a football player uh, and I'm 28 years old and I grew up in wherever, it could be Poland, Germany, England... Ivory Coast, whatever. I'm 28 years old, and I'm playing in one top tier, um, in one in one of the top leagues somewhere. Would I definitely know uh, and know quite a bit about Cruyff and appreciate him? If or? you were a top, if you like a professional player, yeah. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, his uh, okay. So what was yeah, it? Yeah, he's he's definitely top five players of all time. What was it? Uh, give me some adjectives or nouns about him. Um, in addition to his innovation as a, a manager and a thinker about the game, about how he played the game. Just like one word adjective? Yeah. Beautiful, unprecedented, smooth, technical, like his ability to control the ball, and that's it, really. Did he encourage, either as a player or coach or later, uh, encourage uh, players to train and execute and strategize differently? Did he put more emphasis on handling and passing, yeah, for instance? Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And, and what did it mean? So in the old days, when if I was a fullback and, or whatnot... Mm-hmm. Right, and he brought in total football, and everybody had to become more flexible. What would that actually mean for a player? How would they have to change their approach physically or mentally or strategically? Well, if you, sometimes you, if you're not mentally good enough for total football, you're just out. But sorry if I'm not fully answering that question. But one of the most important things he did is he brought Pep Guardiola to Barcelona. He was coaching the first team, and he was watching one of the youth team's games, or no, the B team's game, and he and he saw came up to the B team coach at halftime and said, "Take off that kid, Pep." That's it. He's good enough for the first team. I want him now. <laughs> <laughs> who was that? Who? Who was the kid he took on? Pep Guardiola. Oh, it was Pep who was playing. Oh, yeah. sorry. I misunderstood. Yeah. I thought you were saying Pep was already... Okay. Um, so here's a question for you. One thing that uh, that we've discussed before is that uh, a lot of Barcelona players, but a lot of football clubs, um, a lot of players who are extraordinarily adept at many facets of their game are not physically very imposing at all. And Barcelona and Spain have had a lot of teams that are downright small. Yeah. So is that partly a result of the the things that are valuable in total football? Which yeah, are- just... You don't have to be big, you could just be technically gifted like Messi, Iniesta, Xavi. They're some of the least intimidating people to look at. Xavi, I feel like, you know, or Iniesta. Iniesta looks like your accountant's uncle or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. But he's... Maybe I not think your the, accountant's uncle. No, but he, Do you have an accountant yet, Solomon? I don't, know. Hmm, we should talk about that. Because I'm sure the profits from Footy for Two are going to be rolling in. <laughs> should we sell ads? I don't know. I don't should we sell puppies? I don't know. 
Speaking of that, though, we actually have an ad we want to make. So we are starting our project to make our definitive list of the top 100 players for next season. We're going to follow the, follow all football next season. And when you say we, you us, mean who? Us, you I mean, and me, and a bunch of other people. Like I'm if, helping? Yeah, you are. Yeah, I'm not much good on this, but you have some yeah. other people who are yeah. going to help, right? If you want to help us, um, just email footyfor2 at gmail.com, and we, and we can tell you how you can help out. It'll be fun. So the project is basically to observe players throughout the season, yeah. and then at the end of the season, rank yeah. the top 100 in the world? Yeah. And how, how low down the ladders do you go? We're starting with the leagues where mainly looking at our just top flights in Spain, England, Germany, mm-hmm. Italy, France, Belgium, Russia, a little bit of MLS in China and Brazil and Argentina, and mm-hmm. possibly more. But what if there's um, you know, someone at a second tier team in Costa Rica or Ecuador? If they're playing there, they're not one of the top hundred players in the world. It's well, pretty, it's, okay, okay, fair enough. So it's not really meant to be a scouting project as much yeah. as meant to be a ranking project of players yeah. who are already very, very accomplished. Most of them, yeah. Okay, so again, if anyone wants to participate in that as one of the ranker scouters, what do they do? Email us at footyfor2 at gmail.com, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Good deal. Thalman, what else should we talk about on our Footy for Two podcast today? Well, like we said, it's the international break. We could discuss some of the results. We don't really feel like that, do we? I don't. I don't either. But that's because I haven't been following yeah, at all. I have. I follow in my CFC yeah. a little bit more closely than you do. You Talk about the MLS just for a moment and your feelings about the MLS. I think it's growing. I think it could be top a top league in 30 to 40 years. 30 to 40? Maybe 20 or 25. We'll 20 see. or 25? Mm. But yeah, but so, but you enjoy watching I do. the matches. I do. But why? But you don't get into it anywhere near as much as you do the other leagues. Yeah. Even though you live here. I know. And they. Just, I've just here. always been more European football as most fans in America mm, are. Fair enough. So do you want to talk transfer now? I'd love to talk transfer so we, news. So we have a bunch to talk about. Let's start at, at Liverpool. So Liverpool wants to sign Philippe Kostic, a winger, Serbian winger from Stuttgart. Mm-hmm. What do we think about that? Well, since I've never heard of him before, I'm going to say I don't think that much. Tell us why we should care. I think he is a good player, but Liverpool should be going for bigger players than him. Why? They're Historically, they're a big club. They can attract, They should be able to attract big players, especially with the manager like Jurgen Klopp. No disrespect to Philippe Kostos, but Liverpool should be going for bigger names like Marco Royce. Or our next, or the next person we're going to talk about is Mario Goetze. Mm. Shout out to Chad Troutwine, one of our friends who's a big Liverpool supporter, and to, to John Green, a big Liverpool supporter. And So what's the issue here? When you say that Liverpool should be able to attract bigger talent, do you, do you think, um, how long is it, um, when you've been a great team and have a history of winning and a history of fandom and so on, and then that dominance or that excellence um, begins to dissipate or wear off, how long can you coast for? And has that time diminished over? Has that amount of time that you can coast for diminished over time as the world kind of moves faster? Well, well an example is Man United. They haven't won any real trophies since uh, 2014. No, oh, that's only a couple of years. Since 2013. That's only three years. Because I don't really think New York is a real trophy. Mm-hmm. They've still been able to sign big players, and they could make the Champions League this year, but they're still be able to sign big players, and they're still kind of coasting, being viewed as a big club, and Liverpool's not as much. That's the next player we're talking about, Mario Goethe. He's a great player at Bayern, has done, hasn't worked out that well there, but Jurgen Klopp made him at, at Dortmund. Rumors are that they want to get back together and be a player and coach again. The thing is, he's also being linked to Arsenal, which in some ways could be better because he's more of a technical player at Arsenal, which is what Arsenal needs, like 
what is what they like a, a like little attacking midfielders to get just use the ball well. That's what Wenger like collects like trading cards. And speaking of Wenger and collecting players like trading cards, uh, if you're a player, how uh, how long do you want to wait? Not how long do you want to wait? I assume that the the choice of manager and whether a manager is let go um, is a huge part of yeah. your decision. Yeah. So if you're a player right now and you're eligible to go somewhere at the end of the season, how do you how much attention do you pay? to the managerial merry-go-round. A lot, especially this year with Pep going to City, um, Arson maybe out of Arsenal, uh, Mourinho maybe going to United. And the can, you, can you name a club where a manager either has recently come in or is rumored to come in that might put them on the map for you as a top-tier player who's willing to go to a club that isn't currently thought of as such a desirable place to go? Well, Liverpool, Jurgen Klopp. Every, who wouldn't want to play for Jurgen Klopp? Mm-hmm. Everyone... Everyone who he coaches loves him. Mm-hmm. And what about, um, you know, Leicester City and Spurs are um, going to do much better this year. Yeah, they'll than, both be in the Champions League. Right. So um, how attractive does that become, right? If I'm, if you're a top-tier player and you know that if you go to one of them, even though they weren't historically your top-tier teams, you know you're going to play Champions League. Leicester, I'm not sure. How, well, that would be pretty attractive because of the Champions League. Besides that, they're not going to go up. I think they, there's not that much hard that they can go up after winning the Premier League. If mm-hmm. they win it, which I think they will. Mm-hmm. Spurs, I think, is a good long-term project with Mauricio Pochettino. I think that's very definitely a, an attractive club to join. Mm. Tell me what other transfer rumors, transfer rumors okay. you've been reading so about, hearing it about. It seems pretty definite that Antonio Conte will be managing Chelsea next season. Current Italy manager, former Juve. He wants to bring in Mats Hummels from Dortmund to start rebuilding the squad, which I think would be great. He's a great defender, with John Terry probably leaving in the season. And he's a big uh, threat on set pieces like JT. Mm-hmm. Now, and a leader. A transfer rumor like that, which you read about in various places and you hear about in various places, what share of all transfer rumors would you say have at least 50% of some truth behind them? 30 at the most. That's it? Well, some, most of them at least have like... An agent said something, maybe, but like very few of them actually happen. So is this agents playing, using the media to play, to create leverage, essentially? Yep. Sometimes the journalists flat out make it up to get reads. Do you know, you may not know much about this yet, but if you look at American media, American journalism versus, Brit, uh, I, don't, I don't know much really about European, I know more about British journalism, but when you look at the two, do you think of them as kind of equal in terms of the the amount of truth and the amount of fact-checking that's done? Or do I think you... English papers can be pretty nasty and una- inaccurate, but mm-hmm. I don't know that much about on that topic, mm-hmm. honestly. But having read the British papers on football for the last few years, do you find that you read about a lot of things that are that are supposedly sourced well, and then they turn out to be totally fictional? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's just touch on a few more rumors before we go. Okay. Mesut Urzo to Barca. As Whoa. a Barca fan, I think he's a great player, but I don't want him. One, I just don't want, want a real x player, really. <laughs> Two, he's good, but there's something about him that other Barca fans might feel that he doesn't seem like a Barca player. How so? In what ways? It is one of those things that you can't explain, but like... We'll explain it. Is he too independent on the pitch? Is no, he, although just, he's very... He's been yeah. extremely... Well, he could, you know, he, he could work at Barca, but... Also, Are you sure that most of your anti-Urzel... I mean, you like Urzel as a player a lot. I do. Are you sure that you, the reason you don't want him on Barca is plainly because he's been tainted by having played for Real? Is that no, the... I would take him out. So Real Madrid has clauses. I don't, can't explain fully. I don't know the whole details. But when they sell a big player, they always put in 
a clause in the contract saying he can't go to Barca unless we get this much money and we can refuse the deal and blah, blah, blah. Even though they no longer own the control of the contract. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That brings us actually to Alvaro Morata. Wait, so maybe you're saying that you don't want Urzel primarily because A, he's former Real Madrid, and B, you're scared that we would be rejected by a contractual no, clawback. No, no, also, I just don't think we need him. Mm-hmm. There's no more for him. We have... Busquets, Rakitic, Iniesta as the main starting starters in the, in the midfield. We have Arda, we have Sergio Roberto, who's grading. You on. like Arda, yeah. And then, but Real Madrid buyback clauses brings us to the last room we were going to discuss, which is potentially Alvaro Morata to Real Madrid and mm-hmm. then Arsenal. Mm. So he is the former Real Madrid striker. He's done very well at Juve, uh, but Real has a buyback clause for quote unquote only thirty million euros, which they they're probably going to activate this summer and then sell him for a, for fifty million or a profit of twenty to Arsenal. Or Bayern. Mm. Of all the rumors that you just named, which of them do you think has the best chance of being of coming somewhat true? Mm. I think who most of Chelsea could happen. Mm-hmm. And how do you think that would uh, change Chelsea? It would definitely make them more stable and just better defensively. Who was a great player? If you were a Chelsea fan, how would you be feeling about now? This has been a weird year, mostly terrible, better lately. Some people might think it's weird to say, but probably most. Well, I'd say I don't want to qualify for the Europa League. Why? I think it's just good because the Europa League's not that good. You don't, uh, it's too good. It's not good enough for you for a club like Chelsea. Are you saying you'd rather finish? Out of Europa League, that you'd rather finish. Yeah, because the Europa League is very strenuous on a team schedule, even more so than Champions League, because mm-hmm. the matches are closer together. And they're so, if you're Thursday. Chelsea, you'd want to finish where in the table? Let's see, I think eighth. Mm. So you'd rather finish eighth but, than fifth, sixth, or seventh. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I think it's just easier to rebuild without the Europa League. Like, obviously, if you could still get the Champions League, I can't. That's what you want. But all right, so Solomon, before we wrap up. It is a matter of hours, well, 24 times 8 hours, roughly, from the time we're talking until a game that you've been looking forward to for a long time. Uh (laughs) So Real Madrid at Barcelona, early season matchup. The result was? 4-0. 4-0. To Barca. To Barca at Real Madrid at the Bernabeu. I think we're going to win 8 now, just double the score. Mm. Now, our thing, I think it's going to be a 2 or 3 no to Barca. I want you to, for a minute, do something that you may find disgusting and distasteful as a Barca fan. Although I know Uh, as a a soccer aficionado, as a football aficionado, I know you, you can rise above this, okay? Maybe. I want you to imagine now that you are uh, either on the club of Real Madrid or maybe Zidane. Uh, Gonna be all right there? I'll try. You need a spit bucket? (laughs) Okay. And I want and I want um, and I want to hear how you approach this mentally. Your season has gone not horribly, not horribly at all, but not well. You're... You have to play for the win, but be careful, because if you get destroyed by Barca, it's a huge embarrassment. All they have left is the Champions League, which they will probably get to the semis in because against Wolfsburg, easy draw, lucky draw. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, but, but how do you a co- loss would just be embarrassing, though it's likely. Well, a loss, a one nil loss at at Camp Nou wouldn't yeah. be so embarrassing for instance yeah right but what do you do if you're Zidane for instance who was not there for the first match yeah. this season right um what kind of tone do you try to set what kind of message do you do you send um to try to persuade them that even though I mean look Barca has been pretty dominant for the past year and three quarters yeah. so how do you persuade your club that they are a team who can beat this other team that's uh, been so dominant say we still have some of the best players in the world if you just believe you can get out there and do it. Mm. That's all I can really think of. I hate Real Madrid too much. You really can't put a lot no, of heart into it. Yeah. You know? Well, I appreciate your being willing to try, Solomon. Thank you. All right.
All right, everybody. It's nice talking to you. Salman, nice talking to you. Thank you. I'll see you next week. Okay, and one more reminder. If you want to be involved in the project that Salman is doing with some other friends and collaborators and maybe even me, which is the Top 100. Email us at footyfor2 at gmail.com. Okay, so it's called... called The Top 100, and you can just email us at footyfor2 at gmail.com. Okay, and you can always tweet us at footyfor2. Yep. Talk to you next time. Thank you.